trouble, you have some lifelines. And I know that in general in life, wouldn't that be really cool if we had the same kind of things available to us? Now, the downside to these lifelines is just because you use the lifeline does not mean that they are always going to be correct. I mean, if you do the, you know, ask the audience, you know, you might get 60% of the crowd to say that answer A is correct. But just because 60% say something is right does not mean that it's right. Uh, the 50-50, which is my least favorite, just to let you all know if I'm ever on the show, I hate that one. Uh, it's, you, you got a 50-50 chance still to screw everything up. And then phone a friend. Uh, there's been times when I've seen the show and they'll phone a friend and the friend has absolutely no idea what the answer to the question is. And at that point, I'm saying, you are no longer my friend. And so, you know, we like, though, whenever we have to use lifelines, to know that those lifelines are going to be accurate. That they're going to be correct. Well, today we are continuing our series, Semper Fi, which uh, we shared last week. just simply means always faithful. And one of the great characteristics about our God in that not only is he always faithful, but he is also always true. That means you can count on God being a lifeline for you that will be 100% right 100% of the time. That sounds good, doesn't it? But here's the question. How do we know that? You know, how can we really trust that God is always true? And it's my hope as we look in Scripture today that when you leave here, that you're going to have some confidence as you look at the Bible that God truly is always true. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see this man named Joshua, the man who had replaced Moses. You know, Moses was the guy that had led them out of Egyptian captivity. Uh, He's replaced with Joshua. And Joshua comes along, and as he's coming to the end of his life, he tells the people, the Hebrew people, he says, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that God is always true. Now, how do we know that? Well, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to look with me. Today, we're just going to look in one verse, Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. Um, Again, if you're curious as to where that is, you just go all the way to the left of your Bible and start turning right a little bit, and you're going to run into the book of Joshua. It's real early on in the Old Testament. So Joshua 23, verse 14, while you're looking it up, I'm going to read it to you. This is what Joshua said. He said, now I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know with all your heart, In all your soul, that none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. One of my favorite verses in all of the scripture. Now the history behind this verse, what's going on in the context of this scripture, is that Joshua is coming to the end of his life. Uh, Joshua's been leading the Hebrew people for a number of years. He's about to die, but before he dies, he wants to just reiterate once again to the Hebrew people, hey, God's trustworthy. God is always true. Now, I'm getting ready to die, but I don't want you to forget about God. Joshua was the guy, he held the people accountable all the time. It's like, guys, you better follow after God. And He was always on top of them. He was their leader. But Joshua knew that as he's getting ready to die, he knows how people, he knows how people like me are. You know, whenever, uh, you know, whenever the cat's away, the mice will play. 
And the people had to be thinking at this point, you know what, we've been fighting people all the time for a number of years. We've been in the land of Canaan, we're always conquering people. And they had to be war-weary, and some of their thought process had to be, now maybe we can just try to kind of hang out with these other guys and just take a break. You know, these Canaanites that lived around us, we know that they're ungodly. We know that they're not the greatest people in the world. But maybe we just ought to, you know, just give it a chance. You know, maybe have them over for a little party or something and just see how things go. But Joshua wanted to remind them, don't, don't mess with that path of life. Go after the God who's always true. He gave them a warning earlier in verses 11 through 13. He said, so be very diligent to love the Lord your God for your own well-being. Y'all, this is, a, this is true for us too. He says, for if you turn away and cling to the rest of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry or associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will not continue to drive out these nations before you. They'll become a snare and a trap for you. The scourge for your sides, and there will be thorns in your eyes until you disappear from this good land the Lord has given you. You know, I think there is a, a, an undercurrent that runs, that just sort of runs through people in general. And that is, you know, if I, if I follow God and I take seriously His Word, then life is not going to be like fun. You know, I mean, it's it's like almost like we have this thought that maybe maybe God is a is, is a killjoy, that He just doesn't want us to. He just sort of wants to live bland lives and not really enjoy much in life. And so Joshua wanted to tell the people, see, you know, it's it's not that God is a killjoy. It's just that God is always true, and because God is true, the path He has for your life, I mean, it's it, there's blessings that come with truth. And if you get off the path of truth and you begin to follow lies, Joshua wanted the people to know that there was destruction and devastation that was awaiting them. And so the question for us is, well, then how can I know, how can you know that God is always true? Now, I just want to point out to you a few things that our verses share with us today and how we can know God is true. And one of the things that I see today and how we can know God is true is very simple. It's that, that we're temporary and God isn't. We can know that God is true because we're temporary, and God's actually eternal. If you look in verse 14 again, it says this, just Joshua. He says, I am now going the way of all the earth. And you know with all your heart and with all your soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God has made you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Now, right at the very beginning, he says, I am now going the way of all the earth. What do y'all think that means? What does it mean? He's going to die. He's like, hey guys, I'm, I'm getting ready to die. I'm going the way of all the earth. You know, it's interesting to me, this was an important word he was giving them, but it's interesting to me that a lot of times we like to lock into and, and place all of our marbles and all our investments in things that, are, that don't last. Now, the people that were following Joshua, they, they really locked into Joshua. They were attached to him. And I can't blame them. I mean, what had Joshua done for them? Well, he's a guy that led them into the promised land. Remember, 400 years they've been waiting to have their own place. Joshua's the guy 
who gets them in the land. Do you think they like Joshua? They think he's, they think he's awesome. Joshua was the man who had been their general as they had gone into the land of Israel. And they had, had victory after victory. Joshua was the leader. The people were attached to Joshua. And in verse 14, what does Joshua say to them? I'm getting ready to check out. You guys have been placing your hope in me, but I want you to understand, I'm getting ready to leave. And at this point, the people had to be thinking, what are we going to do now? The guy we've been trusting in for so long is leaving us. What's going to happen now? Some of you have experienced this in your own life. Some of you have experienced this type of feeling in your job. I mean, I know some of you, you've had bosses or you've had mentors uh, in your work, and you love them and care for them. They were wise, and then they retire. And then you start thinking, well, who's taking this place? And then you see the new guy coming in. And rightly or wrongly, you look at him and think, there's no way he's going to be able to fill that guy's shoes. And you just feel, you feel alone and you begin to wonder about your future. And then others of you have experienced this in your home life. And some of you, you know, as we, as we get older, we see the parents that we've looked up to and that we've looked to for direction. And then they begin to pass on and they die. And, and we feel abandoned. And we begin to think, the person I've always looked to for advice and direction, they're no longer here. So what does that mean for us? This is what it means. It means you don't want to place your trust and your hope in things that are temporary. Who's temporary? We are. People don't last. Now, I know that some of you right now, you think you're going to be the one exception. You're not. And the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us in James 4.14, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are a bit of smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The major reason you don't want to place all your marbles and investments in things that don't last is because they are not going to satisfy. You want to place your hope and your investment in something that is eternal. Something that you know is always going to keep on paying dividends. And the only one who is able to foot the eternity bill is God. That's it. Joshua was letting the people know, he said, I'm going the way of the earth. He was telling them, I'm one of a many number of people that have come and have gone. Before Joshua, there's Moses. Before Moses, there was, uh, let's see, there was Jacob. Before Jacob, there was Isaac. Before Isaac, there was Abraham. And they all followed after God. That's the thread. They all lived and they all died, but there was one constant. Who was the constant? The one they were following. It was God. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. That's one of the great things about truth. Truth is good for all time, right? That is something you can hang on to and know that truth is simply truth. I'm not a, I, I, this will shock you, I'm not a math guy. I've never done well in math. I don't enjoy it. But there are, there are some things that I do like about math. One of the things I like about math is this old saying that say, numbers never lie. Y'all heard that? Now, a lot of us, we hear that. You know, 
whenever we're, you know, whenever you step on the scale, and that's depressing. But numbers don't lie, and that's one thing that's good. You can you can base a lot of things off of numbers because they're true. Uh, I know this: two plus two is four, right? That's my that's the after first grade, I was done helping my kids in math. But I know that two plus two is four. There will never be a day when two plus two is six. And it's not going to happen. Why? Numbers never lie. They're true. You can count on them. I was, I was out, um, uh, it's, been, it's been about a month, been, I guess it's been a couple of months. I was outside and one of our contractors for the church was out and he was looking. And I, I just, I've, I, y'all, I am, my attention span is real short. So I'm working on a sermon and I walk by James's office, looked out the window, and they're swinging these trusses with a crane. And I just, I mean, I'm just like, wow, that's unbelievable. So I walk outside. And I walk outside, I'm watching them, and I see the contractor. And as we're talking to the contractor, he says, I said, that's, that's really impressive to me. He goes, yeah, I'm kind of worried about that. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? He said, well, we've never, he goes, this is the biggest span that we've ever done with wood trusses. 70, he said, there's 70 feet spans. Okay, now, I don't like being a guinea pig, you know, for anything. And I'm like, it's the first time. Like, what do you mean first time? And he's like, well, it's the first time we've ever done this. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, and then my thought is, well, how do you know it's going to work? And you know, you know how they know it's going to work? Numbers. They, they know the math. They follow the math. We follow the equations. It's going to work. Now, I don't know how comforting that is to y'all when we're sitting over there and you see me standing up wearing a hard hat while I'm preaching. Uh, but the numbers, the numbers don't lie. And in a sense, this is what Josh was telling the people. He says, I'm dying. Don't place your hope in me, but place your hope and your trust in God. Why? Because he's always true. He's like a math equation. Two plus two is always going to be four. You look at God, and God is always going to be true. And he's always going to lead his people in the right way. Now, now we can know that God is true because we're temporary. He's not. He's eternal. But we can also know that God is always true. And I think this will kind of help you identify a little more uh, easily is we can know God's true because of personal experience. Now, I'm not saying personal experience should not be the guide for everything you do. But we do get a glimpse that God is always true through personal experience. And you can see this in our text today. Again, back in verse 14, uh, then Joshua says, Now I'm going the way of all the earth. And then here's the, the, the key part. He says, And you know with all your heart and soul, that none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Right at the beginning, he says, and you know. God had made a promise to the people that he was going to provide them with their own land. God had been making this promise for hundreds and hundreds of years before we get to this text. Uh, back in Genesis 12, 1 and 2, God was talking to a man named Abraham. And here's what he told Abraham. He said, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land I will show you. And God told him, he said, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And this promise was reaffirmed to the Hebrew people over and over and over again. God tells them, I'm going to give you a land. Where were the people when this promise was made right here, Joshua twenty three fourteen today, you know where the people were? 
They were in the land. They were in the place God had promised to give them. Now, what's the importance of that? Joshua is telling them, hey, the promises God gives are not idle promises. You're living proof of it. So God said you would have this land, and where are you right now? He said you are in the land God promised you. That's why Joshua said, you know God keeps his promises. That word know is an interesting word. Because what it means is, it's, it's talking about having the kind of knowledge that you know from personal experience. They could use their brain, they could use their intellect, and know that God is always true, that he keeps his word. Now, now, what was some of the knowledge that they had that God was true? What was some of their personal experiences? One, they're living in the land. That's personal, that's first-hand knowledge. We're here. But even before that, you remember when they were in, in the wilderness, you know, the desert, waiting to come into the, into the land of Israel. God revealed himself to them, I told, said this last week, to a, a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. God physically, you know, with their own eyes, they could see the leadership of God. When the people were looking for food, they're hungry. What did God do? You remember how he fed them? Manna. Came out of It's food falling out of heaven. That stuff is incredible. I mean, they knew from firsthand experience that God is true. Did you know that you can know from your own personal experiences God's real? That God's true. I said, well, how's that? Yeah, because you're probably thinking, I, I, I know that last Sunday when we went out to eat, we had manna, right? I mean, it just fell out of the sky. Now, if, guys, we just don't have experiences like that, right? Um, now, if you did, don't tell anybody because you're crazy. So, you know, that, but those are, those are incredible experiences. But God gives us, God does give us some general experiences that show that he's real. And let me read to you one of them. One of them is, is just simply creation. I read an article talking about the earth. It says the size of the earth is perfect. So the earth's size and corresponding gravity holds a thin layer of mostly nitrogen and oxygen gases extending only 50 miles above the earth's surface. And here's what it says. It says if the earth was smaller, our atmosphere would be impossible. If it were larger, our atmosphere would just simply contain free hydrogen like Jupiter. I don't know what that means. Um, it says, also, the Earth is the only known planet equipped with an atmosphere of the right mixture of gases to sustain plant, animal, and human life. And this is the stuff that I find really interesting. It says, the Earth is located, for us, the right distance from the sun. It says, if the Earth were further away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. If it's any closer, it says, we'd, we'd burn up. It says the earth is spinning at about 67,000 miles an hour, which is the perfect speed in order to heat and cool the earth at just the right temperature every day. Yeah. Now, there's more. I'm not going to read it all. But isn't that neat? I, the creation is pretty unbelievable. I see the handiwork of God in the human body. With all the complexities of the body, and I know I look at all that and I think, Ah, I think there's a creator. You know, that God, God did something. God was involved in making people. Then there has to come a point in our lives where we say, did all this stuff just happen by mere chance, or is there a creator? Because if we say it's mere chance, it'd be like me looking out at that building right there and saying, there's no architect. That's, that just came up out of the ground. How bizarre would that be? You know, we just show up one day, and oh, isn't that cool? A worship center popped up. 
You know, that, that's, we have to come to a point. Is there a creator or do things happen by chance? I believe from personal, general experiences, we can see the handiwork of God. I see the handiwork of God in my own life. I see how God, in the life of this church, I see how God started this work. And I've seen how God has moved and transformed lives. And I see that as personal experience of the realness of God. Now, I'm not saying, again, that we should base everything off of personal experience. But, man, it's a pretty good indicator that God is real, that he's true. Now, some of you might say, well, that sounds like a weak argument to say that personal experience shows us the truth of God, that God's always true. But, you know, in other areas of life, we practice the same thing. We practice faith in other areas of life. You know how you know much, I mean, not that you know, I'm just, it's a, this is a question you don't answer, but I found it interesting. You know how much a 747 weighs? The 747 weighs over 900,000 pounds. That's heavy. And yet people get on them all the time to fly. That is nuts. Why would we think a 900,000 pound plane is going to float in the air? I know it doesn't float, but you know what I mean. Now, why do we think that? I mean, you know, because to me, I look at airplanes, and I think that is a cylinder coffin flying through the sky. If you're flying this week, that's an encouraging word for you. It just scares me to death. Now, you look at that. Now, now, now why, do we, why do we trust that plane is going to fly? And I can tell you why. It's because we've seen it happen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times before, and so we know it's going to fly. As the Hebrew people had no business being around at this point. They were a slave nation, a slave group of people. And yet God was giving them victory after victory over established nations. How did all this stuff happen? It happened because God was with them. And that became a testimony to them that God's true. And you can know that God's true through your personal experience. You can know that God's true because we're temporary. He's not. And this is the last thing I want you to see before we close. We can know God is true because he's consistent. You see the consistency of God. You see it in our text again in verse 14. I am now going the way of all the earth, and you know with all your heart and soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. It says everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. That verse shows us the consistency of of God. Uh, for better or for worse, I am a I, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, I, I come by I come I come by it honest. I was born out in that area, and so a Cowboys fan. This year, whenever the Cowboys first game happened, they played the defending Super Bowl champions, the New York Giants. I was a little concerned about the game. Cowboys came out, big victory. If you're a Cowboys fan, you remember that game. I was excited. It's like yes, yeah, it's going to be a great year. The next week. They played the perennial stinker, the Seattle Seahawks, and got drubbed 27 to 7. Y'all, inconsistency drives me insane. I mean, it just it ticks me off. I can't, I can't even watch the games. I get so frustrated. But you know what? Inconsistency is not just true with football. Inconsistency is true with people. Um, there's some days when you will talk to somebody. I'm not going to say who it might be. But they'll be in a great mood, you're having a great time, you're like, this is fun, and the next day comes around, and it's totally different. It's like, where did that demon come from? 
You know, just they become a totally different person. So one day they're this way, the next day they're this way, and it's inconsistent. Now, here's one of the great things about our God. When you read through Scripture, you're going to see the consistency of God. God's not one way one day, and then he's totally different the next day. His word is truth. And when God makes promises, you can take it to the bank that he's going to be true every time. That he's going to be faithful and true to what he says. Notice in our text, it says, Not one of the good promises that the Lord our God has given us has failed. It says every one of them has come true. It did not say... You know, most of what God promises is going to happen. It doesn't say, well, you know, in the future, God's going to keep some of those things that he said. It says that God keeps every word that he says. And, you know, whenever you see consistency, and especially from your God, man, it can give you confidence to live for a God who is faithful and true all the time. I saw an article a few months ago. I get a Biblical Archaeological Review uh, magazine. It's kind of it's a cool magazine. They had a they had one thing about the city of Pompeii, and you might be familiar with Pompeii. Back in 79 A.D., Mount Vesuvius basically just blew up, and uh, it blew up. As a, I remember, it's Vesuvius or Krakatoa. I don't remember. Vesuvius. All right, Vesuvius. Thank y'all. Uh, so it blew up. And it just, at the ash, absolutely devastated the city. Covered it up. I mean, it was gone. It was lost in history until 1,700 years later, they, they discover, archaeologists rediscovered Pompeii. They began to dig it out. When they dug it out, the ash actually preserved the city. It's really cool. I mean, you can go online. You can look at some of the stuff there. And uh, one of the things it preserves, it actually preserved people. And it, you know, just the, the, it, it, uh, the ashes sort of left like a shell, a shell of the people that were left. I mean, not, obviously not their bodies, but it was just sort of like a, you know, I, anyway, strange. They're just little ash bodies everywhere. Okay, and so you see some people that were hiding out in basements. Uh, there, were, there were dogs that were, that were seen. That the ashes had covered them up, so their, their bodies were preserved in the ashes. So there's dogs and cats, just strange stuff. But the one I found the most interesting was at the city gate, there was a Roman sentinel who was standing straight up, holding his spear. And he's, he's preserved in ash. And I saw that, and I was like, what was that guy doing? Yeah, he wasn't running away. He wasn't hiding. In the midst of the storm, he made a decision, I will stand firm, and I'll stand fast. And to me, I just thought, you know, in a sense, that, that's like a picture of God. And that God, regardless of what the world throws at us, regardless of the volcanoes and eruptions that come our way, God's standing guard. He's standing watch. And he is consistent and he is faithful. When I look at our scripture today, I see our God he is always true. There are some of you today, and I've been there, where you feel betrayed, and you feel like the things that I've trusted in and I'm hanging on to, they are like sand slipping through my hands, and I am lost. 
And I need something that will be an anchor. I need to hang on to someone who's going to keep his word. I need to hang on to someone who loves me. And says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Because I know that I've hung on to people. I've hung on to spouses. I've hung on to friends. And they've disappointed. Is there anything there? That's going to be an anchor for me. And the God of scriptures says yes. He says it's me. You can hang on to me. How can I know God's always true? We're temporary. He's not. We know he's true to personal experience. We can know he's true because he's consistent. And some of you might be worn out and you are tired today. And let me encourage you to grab on to God. Because not one of the good promises that he's given to his people will never fail. Regardless of your suffering and your pain and the hurts and even the joys that you have in life, there is a God who will preserve you and take care of you and give you a future.